Hello and welcome to the Children of Mary podcast. We are Mary's children and we do the best we can to give her a quality podcast. You might be saying to yourself, Gabe, what's with that crazy 80s vibe intro? <laughs> Let me explain. The 80s, the music makes me feel good. And I was born in the 80s and we're children of our ladies. So live <laughs> in the studio, right? live in the studio, we have our good friend, Claire. She's covered in wires and buttons. She's basically the female version of Iron Man, <laughs> except she, she, <laughs> saves less, she saves less children from burning buses. <laughs> Claire, have you thought more about making a YouTube channel and Etsy store? Yes, I have. So it's only been a few days since we last brought this up. So you're seeing this a week later, but literally this, we just filmed this like three days ago. So there's been no time for her to make a store. But if you want that, if you want to see this Fulton Sheen shirt, I mentioned this in the last episode, how it's a great shirt. I, I forgot to mention the best part of this shirt is on the sleeve, there's a JMJ with his exact handwriting that he used to put on the chalkboard. So again, put in the comments so we can get an Etsy store for Claire, this is not my Etsy store. This is Claire's Etsy store. I'm just giving her ideas, okay? All right. <laughs> All right, don't worry. We have a lot to talk about. We have one of the best and most important topics that we could ever speak about with one of the most important people, in my opinion. But before we get to her, I've got to talk to my brother, Keenan. Keenan, how are you, my friend? Doing very well. How's your discernment well. going? You still praying hard? I'm s yes. Never stop praying hard, yeah. Yes, Doing I'm praying well. for you. You're, you're, every time Keenan walks into the room... <laughs> Like, so let's say my energy level is at a 90, which is a good, a good thing. I see Keenan, 95. 95, that's Happy pretty good. You, you boost me up five points. Likewise. Thank you. That means yeah. a lot. You have to say that, or else you won't be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, he won't be here next week because we already pre-recorded that show. <laughs> no lies told. <laughs> All right. Now, the reason why we're having this podcast, very important. I have one of the most, and I'm not, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Avera is one of the most important women in the Catholic Church today to me. But before we get to why, she's genuinely a good and holy and happy person. I was friends with her first on the internet through yes. Facebook and social media. And she came to speak to our teens last year about same-sex attraction. She speaks on tons of other things. Before we get to that, though, I pick her up from the airport. She's like sunshine. She brought so much joy into the car. She's so happy. She's so positive. She's so cheerful. She's, she's very sanguine. She loves to talk. She makes... I'm welcoming her into my car, into our city, and she's making me feel welcome. The greatest guest you could ever ask to speak to your, your children, to speak to your teens, to speak to your adults. Now, I said briefly, she does speak on the topic of same-sex attraction and living an authentic Catholic life. She speaks on a 101 things more than that because she's genuinely an authentic Catholic. She can speak about Our Lady. She can speak about the Eucharist. She can speak about confession because she's integrated. She's living this in her soul. It's just gonna, these things are going to come out in, in her presentations. But as you know, the world, the grip of the devil is squeezing the neck of the church. And Our Lady made it clear to Sister Lucia that the final battle would be about marriage and the family. And if you have not already noticed, the church is starting to be silenced in many parts around the world about what it can say about marriage and the family. Authentic teachings of marriage and the family are going to be treated as, if not already, hate speech, as bigotedness, when in fact, God's plan for life and love is liberation. Yes, sometimes there's a cross to carry, but it's beautiful. And one of the things I love about Avera is that she's 
humble and she's compassionate to those who share her struggle, but she knows what a cross is. And our Lord chose the cross to save souls. And so although our Lord gave her a cross to carry, she's using it to save souls. And the battle's gonna come. I, I told Keenan many times as he's been discerning the priesthood, and I tell many of my seminarian friends, the battle's gonna come to the steps of the church and it's gonna revolve around marriage and the family. So it's critically important that you get somebody like Avera, and there's nobody else like Avera. So you gotta get Avera to come and speak to your parish, to come and speak to your teens, because yes, you can get any other uh, you know, chastity speaker or sexuality speaker to come and speak to them. But Avera's in the battle. She's fighting the struggle. She's been there. She can speak from experience. She can give kids tips. So enough of me. Let's go ahead and start with a prayer, and we'll hear from our dear friend Avera. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Blessed Mother, we surrender. We surrender our lives to you. We surrender our souls to you because you are going to bring us closer to Jesus Christ. We offer and we consecrate this podcast, this program, our lives, our work, our sufferings, our crosses, everything, all that we are, all that we have, every worst part and every best part about us, we give it to you for Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, come by me into the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. Come, Holy Spirit, come by me into the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. Come, Holy Spirit, come by me into the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. Blessed Mother, I believe you are present here in this room. I believe you are present with our listeners. Intercede for us nonstop with your spouse, the Holy Spirit. Intercede for us that you might crush the head of the serpent and all of his snares and wickedness and help us to see the face of your son, Jesus Christ. Chaste heart of St. Joseph, pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friend, Avera. You don't want to hear me talk. You want to hear Avera talk. <laughs> Avera, speak to us, please. Hi. How are you? Good. How I'm are so you? glad that you're here. Thank you for I'm your yes. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I will put in the description section of the video how people can contact you, how they can reach out to you. For sure. But first, why did you start your ministry? Mm -hmm. Why did you start going out and speaking? And then we can talk about how you got involved and how your life has been shaped. Absolutely. So a lot of it is just purely divine providence. You know, a lot of it just came about out of circumstances that I really had no control over. Yes. So I got started speaking, um, I say by accident, you know, <laughs> just an, ac an accident of circumstance where... Um, so you know my friend uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Yes, so great man. he was oh, speaking awesome. um, at a conference, or no, at a, at a school, at a high school, I believe. This was three, four, maybe four or five years ago, mm -hmm. where um, a woman had been fired from her job at a Catholic high school for quote unquote marrying her same sex partner. Yes. So she was fired because she signed a morality clause saying that she wouldn't live against church teaching um, in her personal life. So she was, she was fired and everybody was up in arms about it. Like faculty, students, like there was a lot of people that were really upset because a lot of people loved this woman. Right. Um, probably rightly so. I mean, granted she was probably but a very good person. There's obviously good things about absolutely, her. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. So Deacon Harold came to speak on something completely like unrelated to that. Yes. But I believe he did a Q and a afterwards and someone had asked him about it, like asked him what he thought. Wow. So instead of answering the question himself, he pulled out his phone and read something that I had written on like a blog post, like some irrelevant little blog wow. post a few maybe months before this. And he read it out to the, the faculty and the staff and the students. And he said like, I saw some of their jaws drop. 
Like yes. they were just very confused and they were just unaware that somebody thought that way about their experience of same sex attractions. So I think a lot of it was just people didn't realize, like people genuinely did not know that someone thought this way. And he did say that some people actually got up and walked out um, after he said that. But he told me later on, he actually told me this a few months ago when I saw him over, we were having dinner together. And he said, I, I, I had someone while I was leaving, leave class, come up to me and say, thank you for sharing that girl's story. Yes. Because I had never heard somebody say something like that so in reality i i think that while i really appreciate your praise um anybody could be doing this up here um so i'm blessed that i was able to receive some semblance of a call and then like answer that um but it really could be anyone yeah (laughs) like it it could be it could be anyone you know um but again, but it's not. It, it's, it's not you. anyway. The only one, so. <laughs> but it is me. So that's why I need you know a, a whole host of prayers nice. and and all these things. But uh, that's how I got started. Was he said if you could do this yourself, um, you'd really probably really impact a lot of people. Yes. So uh, he called his friend uh, Jerry Usher, who I believe started Catholic Answers. Yes. Um, and he manages uh, my my speakers company or my speakers bureau. So I've been what signing the name up that? for three what years. That name? Third Millennium Media. Third Millennium yeah. Media. Go check it out. Yeah. Now, what so is your story? What is your story? Yeah. So I started experiencing same-sex attractions when I was around the age of 13, probably 12 or 13 years old. Um, So I I tell people all the time, I'm very honest about this, that I can vividly remember a time when I did not experience same-sex attractions or didn't even realize that that was like a thing that people did, you know? So I really didn't even have a concept of what it meant to like be gay or to be lesbian or any of those things. The term gay really was something that I I played like football and soccer with the the, the boys at recess. So that was a term that I heard thrown around when somebody dropped a pass or like missed like a very like open goal, you know? So I yeah. never like that. That was a slur. It wasn't right. a lifestyle. It was like this is how I grew up. You know, yes. like just hearing things like that. So when I started experiencing those things myself, it was terrifying. You yes. know, because it was something that was so foreign to me, and it was something that I knew was wrong, but I didn't know why. Right. Um, I didn't understand. Like, and I also had a very false conception of like what it like what the church thought about homosexuality what it thought about uh experience versus action that kind of thing like i i really didn't know much of anything so you can imagine a 16 17 year old girl who has you know this very intense uh crush on her best friend at the time um walking around with almost no guidance you know no one to talk to nowhere to go to experience or receive truth um so it was it was difficult it was traumatic and uh i mean it took me years to kind of uncover a lot of what i now know to be truth but because i didn't receive that earlier on um i i and again i don't really know what i would have done with it i probably would have been really angry and possibly would have even left the church but at the same time i feel like if somebody would have told me the truth, maybe I would have come around sooner. 
Um, so, you know, and it what just, if that truth came from somebody like yourself who was going through it, who knows, mm, who could relate, you know, maybe yeah. that would have been helpful. Maybe so. You know, and again, I, I can't speak right, to the past, if, so, so I can't really say that for sure. But I feel like it might have been helpful for yeah. me. And I have a question just on that. Where did you find that truth while you were searching? Yeah, my spiritual director at the time. Oh. Yeah. He was my high school campus minister. Um, he was such a good man. Father Dan. Um, and I, I remember I was reflecting on this a few years after with a, a good friend of mine who's actually a teacher at the school. And she said, you just needed somebody good to remind you how good you are. Um, and that was kind of a little play on words because his name is Father Dan Good. Um, <laughs> you know? so, no coincidence. So I love him so much. But he was one of the ones where I was, you know, kind of confessing the same things over and over again. Um, and he was saying, like, you know, you're not a bad person person oh. <laughs> you know yeah, like you know you're not a bad person yeah, for experiencing right. these things and just because you experience those things doesn't mean you're sinning right and that i think was the part that i really didn't understand uh, and had really no concept of was right. that just because the experience or the desire was present doesn't mean that i am sinning um the action that's a whole nother story right but just because i experienced that i learned from him really that a i was a good person um, and then B, that just because I experienced that doesn't mean that I'm bad or doesn't mean that I'm sinning. Right. Um, and that was really, really important for me to learn, especially at that age when, you know, like we're questioning our goodness every minute of every day. Going through it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so please continue at this point. You're. In high school, you're experiencing these temptations. You're, you have a spiritual director, or I do. So yeah. That, so he you, acted as that. Yeah, for me. he acted as that. Was mm-hmm. there an ever like a moment where you really felt Christ calling out to you? How 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 did you get there? How did you get? Because yeah. I believe you told me in private or previously mm-hmm. that there was a time where your desire for same sex attention mm-hmm. was greater than your desire from the attention of Jesus Christ. Oh, absolutely. Like I didn't give like. <laughs> I didn't give a crap about God yes. uh, for a while, you know, and, and I, I hesitate to say that because I wanted um, a bit of like a soft Christ, yes. <laughs> you know, I wanted uh, God to let me do what I wanted to do. Um, and it it took me a while. It took me a long, long time to get me to a point where I was able to say, like, that's not God. <laughs> you know, like that is me trying to get an all powerful, almighty God to bend his will and himself to my petty demands. Um, and I couldn't ask him to do that. And uh, so it, it took me a while. But a lot of it, the, the growth that I experienced kind of came from just understanding that okay god is good right and i think that that's the point where a lot of people go astray is because we're trying to build a foundation um off of something that's not real or that's not that shouldn't be the foundation um essentially what prayer should be what knowledge of who god is should be is knowledge of the fact that he wants and desires friendship with us right and he gave of himself he gave of his very life for us so that we can enter into that friendship if that's not the basis of who we're seeing god as um then of course me having these very powerful desires right desires that were overwhelming me to the point where i didn't think about anything else i didn't really do much of anything else like this was my life right i was just hovering in this gay bubble like this lgbtq bubble it was like the lgbtq youtubers lgbtq music like 
all of this. It it surrounded everything that I did and encompassed everything that I did. So focusing very intently on the fact that God desires friendship, right? And that's where everything else grows. That's where I see him as savior. That's where I see him as redeemer. This is where I see him later on as beloved, right? Like that intensity and that intimacy grows over time. It's not an overnight thing. And it definitely wasn't overnight for me. Like it was a, it wasn't a point, it wasn't ever a point where I had like a St. Paul moment where I just kind of got knocked off my high horse uh, or whatever Paul was doing. Cause we don't actually know if he was riding a horse (laughs) or anything like that. But, um, it was a lot of small moments of just intimacy with God yeah. of me being left vulnerable for two seconds and him doing everything he could um, to make himself present to me or make sure that I was aware um, of his presence. And again, that took years, you know, ultimately. And really, if I'm being honest, it's still happening to this day. Yes. So. I like that you point out for people that you're not it's not a sin to have attractions and to have and that goes in any atmosphere of mm-hmm. our life like i could have the sudden urge to really bash somebody's head in yeah that urge isn't the sin it's like entertaining it it's doing mm-hmm. it it's that that causes a problem and some like sometimes i'll hear catholics get into arguments about this topic one mm-hmm. they don't have any experience in it but mm-hmm. they'll they will get caught up in was i born this way was i mm-hmm. did this come about and I don't know, does that really matter if I was born this way? All that it matters is that I have this feeling in the present moment. Right. Did, did you, do you have any thoughts on the idea of people are born that way, if it's mm-hmm. a chemical thing, if it's an experience thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to mention about that. Yeah, so the church itself um, is still very much so, the jury's still out. Like yes, We course. really mm-hmm. have no idea. Um, so me personally, again, I don't remember a time, or right. I do remember a time where I was not attracted right. to the same sex in that way at all. And it could be that uh, you just were not attracted to anything because right, you're a child. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. a child. Like, yeah. I'm a whole baby at <laughs> yeah. this point. Like, come right. on. Yeah. Um, so I really wasn't even thinking yeah. about that at that point. Um, but, you know, I have a, a good friend of mine sure. uh, who uh, we actually hosted a, a podcast together, mm. which was should come out again like this summer. Awesome. Um, so very excited about that. But he, I don't think remembers a time when he wasn't right you know so i I can't say that for sure and it it would be something that he probably brought up in the podcast but i don't think he remembers i I know people who've always had an attraction to the same sex Mm -hmm. so like like, let me say this as a disclaimer i think it's very i think it is an important topic um to like see where would this manifest you know how is this coming about because that gives us a little indication of how we combat it right right? which is a very real thing but i think where the primary efforts of our focuses should be mm-hmm. um is on okay i know i experienced this right. so now what do i do about it right. i think it's like a 30 70 type of thing sure. where we okay. focus like 30 percent of our efforts here but then the rest of the time while we're living with this now like as as, as thomas merton says while we are still wanderers right yes. while we're still here now let's focus our attention here yes. no. now one thing i like when i ask you about your prayer life you say to pray as you are. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about that. Yeah, to pray as only you can, like to pray as yourself. Um, I mentioned that I read a book called Upon This Mountain, this prayer in the Carmelite spirituality. And in the introduction of this book, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the person writing the introduction quoted the author saying, um, 
God is not interested in meeting a persona yes. and that um, prayer is essentially the meeting between the real person that you are and the real God that he is. And there's going to be plenty of times where, you know, like I, I can't pray like Padre Pio cause I'm not Padre Pio. Like I can't pray like St. Therese cause I'm not St. Therese. Like my name is Avera. I'm living in 2021. I'm 24 years old. I'm an African American woman. And I'm dealing with this, this, and this. This is how I enter into prayer, and this is how I enter into relationship with Christ. Like, there's pl- there's been plenty of times. Prime example, um, there was a point I was 20 years old, um, and I was sexually assaulted twice by wow. someone as I considered a friend. My prayer did not look pretty, <laughs> you know, in that right. moment. I literally drove to a church where the empty parking lot, and my prayer in that moment was just flood the flooding of tears like an outpouring of just like i feel so taken advantage of i feel so stupid i feel like an idiot like all of these things like just not even being able to speak really um and just kind of having those moments of i can't say a word um lord let my tears be this prayer um and help you know type of thing just just help me you know because again i was left super vulnerable i was abused and to leave myself vulnerable was something I did not like doing. Um, But at the same time, I feel like it's in those places of that amount of vulnerability, right? Where the God who made him his self vulnerable um, can come in and can be like, you know, I might not be able to take this away, but I can sit here with you and I can suffer alongside you. Right. And I feel like a lot of times that's the most consoling thing in suffering is realizing that I can look up, look like look immediately up, open my eyes and see a crucified Christ. Right. That who, who knows full well how yeah. to suffer with me. So, Vera, why trust this God that hurt, like allows a suffering for mm-hmm. you that you just described as well as why trust this God who doesn't let you maybe as people might see love who you want to love? Mm-hmm. Like, why trust this man? Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was a question that I've asked myself a lot you know over the course of my life (laughs) is like why why trust this man Mm -hmm. um and as somebody i mean i i mentioned the sexual abuse that was not the first time that that happened right right? um it was the first time time that it had happened to that extent um but it was not the first time that i had been abused or taken advantage of or any of these Mm -hmm. things um why trust him is that he is good Right. Like he is all good. Right. This is an all good God um, who deserves our trust. Um, And I think that even meditating on that fact changes a lot of things Mm -hmm. because there are going to be plenty of times in our lives where we are vulnerable and we are susceptible. Right. To the elements, basically. Um, But what's different about God is that he could never harm us or he could never do anything that he he knows is not good for us or is not oriented towards the good oriented toward himself who is all good who is what is good right the reality of what is good um and i think that that is the main difference you know is that i realize in, in the space of the question of why can't why doesn't he let me love who i want to love he never said that Right. Like like that was never something that has ever come out of the mouth of God. None of the saints have ever said anything remotely close to this. What we are called to is love that is self-sacrificial for which Christ is the model. 
right? Um, so what that might look like for me, prime example, that girl um, that I was really just obsessed with in high school, is what that love looks like now, because she and I are actually still friends, is that self-denial, right? That knowing that because God is all good, because the church teaches what she does, because she is good and she loves the God who is good, that this attraction will not result in the good. You know, me acting on this will not end, have its end, its ultimate end in the good. So what does that mean for me? That means that I'm called to a love that is self-sacrificial, that is laying down my life for the good of the beloved, meaning laying down my desires to be with her in a or laying down those desires to be with her so that I can love her as I'm called to love yeah, her. And that's what we're all called to, right? Self-denial, husband and wife, Absolutely. anything, any vocation you're called to is the vocation of love. For sure. Yeah, beautiful. So mm -hmm. can I That's ask cool. you, what does, so same-sex attracted woman, or pro, very strongly attracted to the same sex, yeah. I should say, and you're praying regularly, mm -hmm. what does life as a Catholic for you look like? What does your future possibly look like? Yeah. How you're living out this vocation? Yeah, so right now, um, I'm a student. Before I left, I was literally like at a friend's house hanging out with six of my friends, uh, some of which who were in the theology program. Um, Claire and I went to, oh, you were there too? Yeah, we yeah. went to a party last night. Mm -hmm. um, that was super fun. <laughs> you know? So I think a lot of times when people ask me about just like life in general, they think that this in and of itself has to be my life, right? <laughs> right? Um, where it's either like ministry or just like the experience of same-sex attraction. Yes. Like there is more to my life than that, yes. <laughs> you know? Like I hang out with friends. I've been getting like really into fitness lately. Like I've lost 15 pounds um, since I've been here yes. last, like actually. But my life oftentimes looks like just being with other people, you know, yeah. being involved in parish life, being involved in the life of my theology department, um, being involved with my family, my friend groups. It's fun. Like, I have a good time. Like, yeah. there, it's very rare that I go somewhere and I don't have a blast. Now, you had mentioned to me before that you've been on dates with men. Are mm -hmm. right, so is is one date is, lol well, on a date. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is, is pursuing and is it possible? Is is the idea there that although you're predominantly same sex attracted, mm -hmm. is there the possibility for relationships with men? What are your thoughts on that? I would love to be married to a man. Yeah, like I would love to be married in the church. Um, and this was actually one of the things that I feared the most, right, was that I knew from a young age that I wanted to be married. Um, like, I just, I'm a very relational person, and, uh, but I think, like, a, a lot of what I wanted in a marriage when I was younger was refuge from, mm. like, the storm of yes. just life in general. Um, and I think that while that is a, a good thing to have, I don't think that, I think I was making that the idol. Yeah. And now that I'm getting older and kind of coming to terms with what it truly means um, to be married to another person, what that vocation actually means, um, it's all the more attractive and it's all the more meaningful to me, you know, and it's it's something where I really desire um, a man who can come into my life and actually know and try and understand the cross that I carry. Because, I mean, he's going to have to know that this is a reality, yes. right? Uh, but I think that the right man, the right virtuous man that hopefully St. Joseph himself will send me, um, will be someone who looks at the cross and is like, no, I want to carry this with you, right? Um, 
And I think a lot of people would be like, well, you know you're going to have to have sex with him. And I was like, yeah. Like, I don't plan on being celibate, <laughs> you know, in my <laughs> marriage. Because um, I, I, at the same time, I want to be a mom as well. Um, so in that, I think that, you know, a lot of people will have questions surrounding, sure. like, the, the intimacy of being, like, sexually active right. with my husband. And to that, uh, I can't help but think about John Paul II when he said... Um, the sexual act or the marital act is the repetition of the marriage vows in the language of the body. Um, And that is such, such a beautiful way to think about it in a way that I don't think really anybody thinks about intimacy, you know, outside of the church. Um, And essentially what that would mean for me is this is me going into this act saying, I give you everything right like i give you all of me and i want to in turn receive all of you like i want to give you my fertility i want to give you my desire to lay down my life for another person i want to give you my hopes and dreams i want to give you um access to my trials and tribulations like i want to give you um a play and the other thing i guess i should point out too is that realizing that he is not my savior that I already have yes. one of those, right? Absolutely, I already have one. So another thing, I can't remember who said this specifically, but realizing that there is a place within me that he will never be able to reach, yes. right? That there is a place within me that is purely made for God himself. Um, but a good man, like a virtuous man, doesn't try to impose himself or go into that space, but he stands guard at the gate. Amen. Right? Nice. And nice. he guards that place so that I can enter into that space and be with God. And a, right, a virtuous woman, a righteous woman will do the same yes. uh, for him. And realizing just like the, the complementarity between the two um, and realizing that there are going to be people looking at us especially right you said that the final battle between heaven and hell will be over marriage and the family um so realizing like we not only need holy priests and religious one of the things one of my pet peeves is when people don't say and holy and virtuous vocations to marriage you know like how are you going to have priests if they don't have parents right you know like (laughs) they don't just pop out of nowhere you know so we need virtuous marriages right we need people taking seriously um and really understanding the beauty of the vocation of marriage so i have a question to you so if for anyone out there who might experience same-sex attraction Mm -hmm. Is getting married to a man less than getting married to a woman? Because if I'm desiring a marriage with a woman Mm -hmm. and I'm choosing almost like the second, like someone who I'm not attracted Mm -hmm. to, like what is marriage? Why am I like, I don't want, like you seem so on board with getting married to a man, (laughs) right? But for anyone out there, they might not be in that space right now. They might not want that. Mm -hmm. They might want something else. Like what is marriage, I guess? Um, I like specifically that you said, you know, what if I'm not attracted to this person? Mm -hmm. Um, You'd be surprised, (laughs) you know, Um, because I think like what would often attract me to a man, um, and I actually I was I was in a relationship previously. It just it didn't work. But um, what I was most attracted to was his virtue, right? Mm. Um, it wasn't like he was an attractive person. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, no I offense, say he that. was not attractive. <laughs> he was cute. He okay, was good. very cute. He was like muscly and like all these things. But like that, even that again, like because I don't always have the like initial attraction to men, at least the physical attraction. 
But you'd be surprised the physical desire um, that comes after, that follows um, being attracted to a person's virtue, being attracted to the person, you know, like not just like the outward appearance. Um, And I think that we put too much focus on being like sexually attracted to the person, like let it come, let it manifest, Mm -hmm. you know, like oftentimes that just takes time. And this is for anybody, you know, like not just a person who is predominantly attracted to the the same sex. Um, I think like people will be surprised um, when they just like take time to get to know each other. And I think we, we kind of t- might have talked about this in separate uh, yes. things at the party, but we were talking about how toxic Catholic dating culture can be yeah. just like, because people like over spiritualize it and say like, okay, if an angel comes down and tells me to ask her out, like, no, go <laughs> ask her out. Exactly. Um, you know, so a lot of it, I think is just based off of, um, you know, desiring the person, you know, not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to marry a man because this is right or I'm going to marry a man because I want to do this, this and this. Like, no, it it really has to be a desire to get the other person to heaven because that's essentially what marriage is, right? Um, That is the vocation in a nutshell is Mm -hmm. getting the person and the people that you are responsible for, children, people entrusted to your care to heaven. And then going off of what you said, like why, why is it wrong? Yeah. Why can't two women or two men get married? So there is a natural order. Like God designed things in a way that is natural, that is ordered towards the good, which is, again, And can I himself. see this without reading the Bible? Is this visible to the human eye? Absolutely. Or can you please help me with this? I'm not a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Okay. So there are, there's a part of a man and a part of a woman that do not make sense unless the other sex exists. The way that God designed marriage is to be a reflection of the Trinity, to be a reflection, right, of the life-giving life, essentially, of the Trinity. So the way that we engage in that is between the complementarity of the sexes. Like, we were literally created for each other, to not complete each other, but to complement each other. You know, so we can have that that reality of the Trinity manifested in our bodies and in our lives in general. The way that we see this not working, again, is because you can only have that between one man and one woman, right? Any other, if you try to supplement anything else in there, you take away from essentially from what marriage is, yes. turning it on its head and making it something that it's not. Yes. So you're using marriage or especially the sexual act for something that it was not meant yes. for. And like I, one of the, the ways that this hit me in particular, I think, is that like this is a this is a, re- a physical reality. Right. Yeah. And there's just no end aside from pleasure, really, mm-hmm. um, outside of like these these same sex unions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, if I'm just spending my life seeking being pleasured by somebody else like 
first of all, there's probably always somebody better, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, there's always some way that can do it yeah. better or someone who's like more adventurous or someone like any of these things. There's always someone who could do it better. So there's really no. Um, and this even plays out, you know, even in, in heterosexual couples yes, where course. there's this like Wrong pursuit yeah. of pleasure instead of a pursuit of loving yep. and laying down one's life for the other. Based on feeling and emotion. Yeah, yes. absolutely. The feeling burns out. Got to get yeah. that hit from somebody else. Yeah. Like realizing the fact that. Again, your spouse is not your savior and it's also not your plaything. Yeah. You know, like it, it's not the person that you come to, like, oh, I'm feeling it today. Like, I've got to go sleep with my right. wife or sleep with my husband. That's not what the person is there for. Right. Um, and there is life to be lived outside of the bedroom, right? right? And th- there's all these things that kind of come into play. It is a holistic experience, it is a life experience uh, for both male and female, for both man and woman. And I, it, I have a quick question. Just. Yeah. Because it, it kind of goes off of what you asked earlier, Claire. Yeah. You asked, why would you trust a man like you know God in that situation? Yeah. My question would be, and I've, I've gotten this question when talking with friends or, or family or whatever. Why would, and this might be a tough one, but why would God allow this mm. to be a thing? Why would he allow someone to experience same-sex attraction? Yeah. Why, what's the answer to that? This is why would he allow suffering in general? Right. <laughs> you exactly. know, like this can yeah. be asked about anything um but i like that you asked that too because again like like i said it could be asked about anything and people don't um, view it as could be right. asked about anything, right they think it's <laughs> right. entirely separate from like, right like no it's, it is not that essentially it is a cross like any other right. right and father mike schmitz uh i love him so much like he's a great man um he has said this in a Steubenville t- uh, conference one time where I he love said, that it's, so good. It's, it's so, like so good. Times. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> where he says, um, if it wasn't same sex attraction, it would be something else. Yeah. Right? You know, like we all struggle in life with something. You know, this just happens to be one of the ways in which I struggle. I could name a plethora of others for you, but right. we don't have time for that today. Right. So, <laughs> um, but again, like it is just it is one of the ways um, this specifically, at least in my own life, from my own experience. Why would he have allowed me to struggle in this particular way? Um, I think that it is it is a way for me to really get a read on intimacy um, and what it really means to be intimate with my friends, um, what it means, what it could mean for me to be intimate with my spouse. Um, because I think I had like a very flawed perception of what it meant to be in a relationship with a man or to be married to a man. And this has really caused me to step back and think like, whoa, I might not get what it was that I was previously looking for out of my husband. Um, but again, if I was going in to get something from him, I was already like in the wrong, yes. you know, like I was already look, going in with the wrong intentions. Because we know love is willing the good, good of, the, of other. the other. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I was not doing that. Right. And I think, and this is just only one of the, the blessings that I've received, I think from this is that I realize now um, what it would take and realizing now that, listen, he might not please me in that sense but where my pleasure comes right where i have that experience of and one of the ways that married couples um get closer to heaven is in the sexual act right that's what it's meant for the way in which that i receive that pleasure my pleasure flows forth from the fact that this man is laying down everything 
for me and not just in the bedroom right like he's showing it in the way that he provides in the way that he protects in the way that he sits with me and talks with me and makes me laugh and prays with me prays for me um will just sit with me like any of these like kind of minute things um but just in the way that he in the little ways that he lays down his life for me or even possibly if it comes down to it let's be real it's 2021 and the world is coming to what it's coming to could possibly potentially lay down his life for me like die for me you know um like those are the the places where i mean even now i draw so much joy and happiness and where i would eventually like draw that pleasure from is knowing that this is the man who is laying down his life for me um, like that's the most beautiful part about marriage in general i think yeah and just yes and so like love being willing the good of the other mm-hmm. i feel like today love is cast as some is it's not christian love the love that you <laughs> just think about it's that yeah. feeling yeah. and it's that also that being okay, just telling people, oh, you're, you're perfect just the way you are. You have no reason to change. And I yeah. feel like that's so emblematic of today, mm-hmm. as well as kind of what you mentioned earlier, the soft Christ, yes. the soft <laughs> Jesus, yes. which is kind of pervasive in Christianity today mm-hmm. of, of Jesus saying, no, I love you just how you are. But could mm-hmm. you speak to a little bit about that? Like, what, yeah. what are your views on that? I very much so see myself um, in the woman caught in adultery. Uh, I feel like I have lived my life very much so as she did. And uh, I know it's uh, commonly attributed as that's Mary Magdalene, which would make my life so much better, honestly, if it was, because I love Mary Magdalene even outside of that. Um, But one of the most powerful things I think happens in that is that first and foremost, I don't think we think about this, is she was caught in the act of adultery, right? Mm -hmm. So she was probably naked, Mm -hmm. right? Being brought out in the city streets, like in front of all these people by these men who don't have our best interests in mind are trying to kill her, right? right? Um, And she is brought before this man um, who she probably does not know. um, And they're asking permission to kill her. Right. Um, and this man sees her and it's like, whoever among you is without sin, cast the first stone at her. And everyone leaves but him. <laughs> you know, right? right? Like, I wonder if she honestly thought about that, is that he could have stoned her right. because he was the only one <laughs> that That's was true. left. Right. I wonder yeah. if that crossed her mind. I really do wonder if that ever crossed her mind. But he says to her, is there anyone left to condemn you? Right. Right. And she has to look around and say, no, there's no one left. No one but you, at least. So he says, neither do I condemn you. But he doesn't stop there. (laughs) Right. That is not what he is. That's not the final say. The final thing that he says is go and sin no more. Right. There is this call to sinlessness, to perfection, be perfect as my father is perfect or be whole, right? As my father is whole is another translation of that. Um, And a way that we live this holistic life is living in freedom, right? Is human freedom. And the way that we do that is by living virtue. Like the virtuous person is the free person. The virtuous man is the free man. The virtuous woman is the free woman. It's not the ability to like say like, oh, I want to choose bad or like it's not having the option of bad. It is being so oriented toward the good that you don't desire anything else but the good because we are created out of the good, by the good, for the good, right? True freedom. Yeah, absolutely. This is authentic human freedom. And one of the best ways that I've heard freedom described is being willingly and joyfully able to do as we ought, 
Yes. Not JP necessarily as like, we want, yes, right? Yes. Um, and this is essentially what it means, right? So I want to not desire that, or at least, at the very least, come as close as I possibly can and be like, okay, even though I have this desire, the desire doesn't rule me, right? right? The desire yeah. is not my master. I am the master, or right? Identity, Christ is the master, right? right? Yeah. Um, so to be able to reorient myself, you know, like, or accept the grace to be reoriented towards the good. This is what we should want. Like, and this is what the true Christ calls us to not sit where you are and do whatever you want, but come and follow me. Right. Like exactly this is right. the, the, the goal of every Christian life. One of the, I, I, I reflect a lot on one of the turning points in your life. You mentioned having a good spiritual director. Mm-hmm. I don't want to name names, but there's obviously there's clergy, there's bishops there that try to give the soft Christ. Mm-hmm. Just as a woman experiencing this, have you thought about how your life might have been different? Had that's been what was given to you? Mm-hmm. And then how does it make you feel when you hear these people promoting a soft yeah. Christ? I don't think that they have any idea how much of a danger they're being. Um, I think it is one thing to have a wolf in sheep's clothing. I think it is another thing altogether to have a wolf in shepherd's clothing. Yes. Right. And ultimately, and I, I need, I know I need to check myself and do a better job of this is pray for them and pray for their conversion, pray for my own conversion, like be the change that I want to see in the world. Um, But at the same time, I think that Anything that they would be able to draw from me, which again might not be much, but I mean, in comparison to the hierarchy, but what they could potentially draw from me is realizing that I have some knowledge of who God is, right? It might not be very much. um, It might not be very concrete, but I have some knowledge of who this man is and what it is that he desires for me. Anything that goes against the good, that tries to glorify sinfulness, is going to lead me to hell, right? And that is not a place that I want to be. I want to spend the rest of my life, I want to spend my eternity with my beloved. And the, the, the goal of the priest, right, of the priest, the bishop, cardinal, whatever, like, whatever in the hierarchy, is to get the flock to heaven, right and to lead us astray you know like try and get us in either for like number's sake or to coddle us or to ask to not offend us like please i could say the sky is blue and it will offend somebody <laughs> like it's 2021 and this is where we're at yeah. <laughs> you know like but the thing about that is we cannot be concerned with that right. ultimately at the end of the day people are going to make their own decisions yes but it is the job of the faithful, especially our clergy, to at least, at the very least, put us on a path where we can experience truth, yes. you know? And whether we decide to turn our back or not is on us, yes. right? But if they are t- showing us a path that is not oriented towards the good, that is not true, um, because here's the thing is you cannot truly love a person and lie to them. Yes. At the same time, you cannot tell the truth without speaking love. Yes. Right. Like otherwise, otherwise, like you can't have those two things. Right. Um, so operating in that, operating in that reality, we have to realize that we have to tell people the truth and we have to love them. Yes. You know, and you can't have one without the other. You can't do you can't separate the two. Um, 
And I just wish that people realized, I wish they were able to see the harm that they were doing because I don't think that, I have a hard time believing that if they honestly saw, if they honestly saw what they were doing, um, that they wouldn't change, wouldn't want to change, you know, and like at least do something differently. Um, but I don't think they have any tangible idea. So just a few doing. more questions before we begin wrapping up. I like I like to think of the opposite end of the spectrum as well. And I mentioned this to you yesterday when we were filming something else. Mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like the same sex issue becomes an all-encompassing issue yeah. and we're kind of like alienating those people who have this attraction mm-hmm. when there's more sexual issues yeah. that are also a problem that yes. we're not addressing mm-hmm. that also put you in mortal sin yes. and in grave danger and we never mm-hmm. hear about it. Could you please address mm-hmm. that a little bit? Yeah. yeah. That, at, I am very thankful that this has now become a conversation in the church, yes. right? Like, especially for people like me who struggle like me, um, we need to have a place where we're we're being talked to, yes. you know, we're like our, our struggles and our crosses are being addressed and discussed um, in a way that humanizes us, in a way that recognizes our human dignity. Um, but there are other people that have human dignity that are really, really struggling with sexual yes. sin. Um, and there will be just, you know, plenty of times where it's almost discrimination in a sense where, oh, we'll talk about this or we'll have this for people with that experience same-sex attractions. But, you know, let's just forget the guy that's cohabitating or let's just forget the girl that's addicted to pornography or let's just forget. Like, no, like these people need their needs addressed as well because, again, these are sinful desires. And essentially, what is it? It's sex outside of marriage across the board. It is either, like in the case of same-sex attraction, sex outside of marriage because we're having it with the same sex and two people of the same sex can't have that if they're cohabitating or premarital sex again like you're sleeping with someone and that's not your husband like all of these things like these are sinful things and these are things that people are really struggling with or people just because we don't talk about them don't realize that they're bad and whose fault does that become like that's where it's a really sticky situation if we are not calling out sin and therefore letting people in sin stay that way it becomes the fault of the person in charge right right it becomes the fault of the the people around like it becomes the fault of you know uh, all of these people and not just the people engaging in that sinful act. Um, so I, I really would love to just encourage people. Um, and again, this doesn't mean that you go to the person cohabitating and be like, okay, get up. Like, like, like yeah. you know, it might not right. be that way. Right there are ways, there are yeah. ways True to do this in truth and love. Yeah. Right. Um, but, a lot of it, and uh, Father Joshua Johnson is one of my best friends in the world. Um, and uh, one of the ways that he just talks about doing things like this is I feel like we very much so discredit um, just the uh, maybe the informal side of ministry, yes. right? The mm. just like, let's engage with this person. You know, like, let me go over to this person's house and just like provide a meal or say, like, hey, yeah. come out with me. Let's go get a drink. Let's go do this. Like, let's go do something fun. And like, people don't realize that it's very hard to trust a person that you don't know right. or that you know doesn't know you. So the, one of the downfalls of of me possibly like saying like, oh, like I see this person cohabitating um, at my parish. Let me go up to them and tell them why they're wrong. Right. 
why would they trust that I have their best interest in mind right. when I've not invested enough time to hi- say hi, what's your right. name? <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. if I don't know the person, if I don't have a relationship with this person, why would they have any reason to trust me? You know, yeah. like one of the beautiful things about John Paul II oh, is that he do. would <laughs> and he would meet with the, with the couples and he would spend mm-hmm. time with them and go hiking. And yes. then he wouldn't necessarily lecture them, mm-hmm. but he would question them. Yes. Why are you doing this? How mm. does this make you feel? What if you had this? Mm-hmm. Very important. Now, I, I get a lot of parents because we work with youth ministry here. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of parents who ask me because their hearts are broken yeah. because their children have same sex attraction. They go to a, a certain school, maybe perhaps that is actually not giving the authentic mm-hmm. teaching of Jesus Christ. And so their child is like, yeah, mom, let me be. Yeah. And so mom is heartbroken because her child is, you know, not answering the call to holiness, not fighting temptations. Mm-hmm. What advice, what words of consolation could you possibly have for a mother, for a father mm-hmm. whose children are, you know, going the way of the world? And yeah. what do you got to say? Yeah, I I have such a heart for these parents, especially because I know plenty of them. Yeah. Um, just in my in my uh, three years of this more active ministry, um, I've been really heavily involved with a group called Courage, um, which I would love if you provided the the resources for them. Um, if Courage is just like a a place for fellowship and communion for people who have same-sex attractions or who experience same-sex attractions and then the second branch of courage is in courage and that is for like parents family members uh, who love someone who experience same-sex attractions yeah so what have been some of my most profound experiences in life um, is meeting and forming relationships with the encourage parents specifically because you see the hurt you see the confusion you see the where did i go wrong you see you know like a whole host of just raw emotion um pouring forth out of them for these people who genuinely love the lord um and who are just kind of like seeking answers and then seeking refuge right for their children and um i think that the first words of consolation I would say is that um, I think that no prayers are as quickly heard or as quickly answered as those of the heart of a, a broken-hearted mother um, and broken-hearted father as well. Um, because I've, I've seen those, <laughs> you know, I've seen those happen. I've seen those tears. I've watched them fall. Um, and I've come to realize, you know, just like what, it means to love someone who's lost, you know, whether lost because of death or lost because of some type of illness or uh, lost from addiction or lost in even now like LGBTQ ideology um, or in that within that community. Um, and the words of, of consolation that I would offer um, would be stay the course because, um, you know, you could have very much so I think a, a situation like a lot of people that I know um, who, like the LGBTQ community promises a lot of things that it can't, it can't finish, you know, like it, it says we're going to provide this, this, and this from you or for you. And, um, it, it can't follow through, you know? And I think that there are more and more people today, um, who are realizing that and are then looking for refuge. And what is so crucial for parents to do, especially is 
provide the safety net, you know, when the rug is pulled up from under these people. And I have seen it happen. I really have like seen people just be like, I can't do this anymore. You know, like there's nothing here for me. Um, when the rug is pulled up from under them, they'll need a place to go. And it might not happen during their lifetime. You know, they may be dead and gone by the time their child realizes this. Um, but what won't be dead and gone is their intercessory prayers. Yes. Um, it could be one Hail Mary. It could be a Hail Mary every day for the rest of your life. It could be a rosary every day for the rest of your life. Provide um that safety net for them because whether it is uh, during this life or at the point of their death, they're going to need um, some form of protection. And it is hard for me to believe that God would let the soul go to waste that has been fervently prayed for, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that we don't understand like how strong, um, especially the parents intercessory prayers are. Yes. A beautiful thing you mentioned yesterday, and I'll point out that all of her advice also applies to parents whose children are stuck in any sexual sin. Any sexual sin. You're wounded because your child is not on the path of God. (laughs) That applies to everybody. Mm -hmm. But one of the most beautiful things that Avera said yesterday, so we're going to have a cinematic video provided YouTube doesn't destroy us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if they do, we're still going to fight back. Exactly. So we'll pop up somewhere else. You can't get rid of us. Mm -hmm. But one of the beautiful things she said is that oftentimes, and again, this applies to any type of sin that we can't have. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we're in the Garden of Eden and the serpent is putting before our eyes the one fruit we can't have Mm -hmm. when God is blessing us with so many other beautiful things. Mm -hmm. So Avera, I I hope this last bit, you can speak to the young person who has same-sex attraction, Mm -hmm. maybe the young Avera, Mm -hmm. maybe somebody else who's got that longing for sex or a longing for same-sex attention Mm -hmm. that's more than Christ or they're struggling and they're wanting to, what could you give to them as advice, final encouragement? Yeah, so that that quote is is something that uh, kind of came to me in prayer was that um, I commit the sin of Eve time and time again. I grasp at the gift that was never mine instead of embracing the paradise that already is. Um, And that's something that I think I've prayed with a lot because that's what the devil's gonna do, right? He's been playing the same trick over and over and over again. It's focusing our attention on the one thing that we can't have and distracting us from Eden, you know, distracting us from the the reality of the presence of a God that loves and loves to the end, right? Loves to the point of death. Um, And I think that for me, like the young Avera, um, she was so focused on pain um, that she forgot that God was there. Um, in the same way that like I made the example of when you're in, maybe y'all are in Texas, so y'all know rain. Uh, <laughs> when it is raining so intensely hard, so profusely that you can't see two feet in front of you, yep. um, it can be hard, you know, to get from point A to point B. But part of getting to point A to point B in those scenarios is remembering and believing that the road is still there. You know, that nothing happened to the road. The road is still there, even if you can't see it. Right. Um, So remembering and recalling time and time again, um, not only uh, that God uh, is present with you, but that God delights in you. Right. Like I will no longer call you forsaken or barren, but I will call you. My delight is in you from the book of Isaiah. Right. Um, Recalling to mind these things and speaking those things even over yourself, you know, in times where you just need to be reminded that God does not hate you, right? That God never abandons you. Um, And I wish that somebody had 
that more people had told me that, you know, when I was 16 and when I was just really dealing with these things and asking God why, um, is realizing really two things that God still delights in me. Um, and then, uh, from the words of, I think Christophanic, um, actually that he says, um, Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from the cross so that we didn't have to say it alone? Um, and (laughs) you know, and being able to pray with that and sit with that, um, and realize that that is a reality that you can look in the face of the crucified Jesus and have someone to struggle alongside you. Um, that's important because there are going to be plenty of days and I am a living Testament of this, that it is a living hell. (laughs) Like it absolutely is. It can be, um, but in that, even Christ descended to those depths yeah. and knows how to bring you out of it. He knows the way. He is the way, right? Um, and just kind of sitting with those things um, and letting God sit with you, even if the pain doesn't go away, it is a lot better when you experience it with somebody who loves you sitting yes. next to you. One last quick question, because mm-hmm. this is a practical thing. Yeah. So if there's a kid watching or a teenager watching or a young adult watching who has same-sex attraction and... One thing I love about you is you have true friends. Mm -hmm. Some of them discern, should I tell my friends? Should I not tell my friends? How do you navigate that? How do you foster authentic friendships? Just because that's critically important. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, I would say never feel like you are obligated to tell everybody and their mama because whose business is it? (laughs) Like, honestly, I've I've had several people um, come to me and say, I just feel like I'm lying to people. And like even people with heterosexual desires, only heterosexual desires, some people do this, but not everybody goes around saying who they're sexually attracted to. Like we don't ne- announce these things over the generally dinner table. a bad idea. You know, <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. so. Right. It, you, so whose business is it? You know, you know, like really, whose business is it? Um, but I will say, it is so good to have friends that you trust. You know, like to have people in your life um, who can hold you accountable, you know, who will be able to be there and remind you of the truth um, to to call to your attention, you know, um, the reality of Christ and his sacrifice. Um, my friends are aside from from Christ and are the most arguably the most important thing in my life. You know, like to have them and, and moving to a new city, I had to, you know, kind of make all new friends. Um, but, you know, like I'm just kind of thinking about like my friends like Rachel and like I love her so much. Like Father Josh, Michael Parker, who's that big black guy in the back of uh, all of Father Josh's TikToks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's so good. That's you awesome. know, like just all these people, my friends like Catherine from the uh, from the theology department, all these people um who uphold me you know and remind me um that god loves me and that there's a plan for my life that there's a purpose to my life that my life is worth living because these are the the questions where when you are in the pit and you need somebody to reach down their hand and help you out of that um to have friends around you make that experience of being helped out of that experience more tangible. You got to be you vulnerable. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to be vulnerable. Yes. This does not necessarily mean that you have to tell a lot no, of people. No, 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 yeah. right. You know, it doesn't mean like I. Even to make friends, you have to go absolutely. out of your way to put yourself out pa- there. Put yourself out there in a position to make friends, yes, you know. Right. Um, but I'm saying like maybe pick two or three people. You know, that are really close to you, that you feel like you can trust and that will tell you the truth and that, you know, will remind you of Christ's love and his sacrifice and called you to the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, like not not been there will or not watered down the faith. Right. Tell those people 
and say like I just I just need somebody to talk to I just need somebody to go to yeah. with this and I, I need to be able to share my cross yeah. um, because even Jesus carried helped was helped you know by si- Simon of Cyrene yeah. we need those people um, so being able to share that with my friends even though I'm a very rare case where I speak openly about it um, because of the specific vocation that I've been called to in this regard um, I still the more intimate things you know like the the intimacies of the struggle only my friends know you know and but it's them that helped me through it and you know eventually kind of helped me get out of those really dark places my sister she's i've got her booked all day so we have to get this (laughs) going i'll say a a closing word after vera will you lead us uh, in a hail mary please absolutely in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen hail mary full Full of grace the lord is with thee blessed Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please contact Avera to come to your parish, to come to your conference. She really is, like, I work with teenagers on a regular basis, and even if they're not struggling with same-sex attraction, it's on their mind what the church does with it. They want compassion. They want truth. They want love. They need to hear it. Your children are leaving the church left and right. They need the truth from somebody who can talk to them from their own experience, from their own heart. You must contact Avera. Get her to go to your Steubenville conference, your Archdiocesan Youth Conference, your parish. She's probably the most important person right now because the the world is coming for you. Mm. And I've seen time and time again, I'm thinking of the church in Ireland where the government is coming for you and the church is being Mm -hmm. quiet. That is not how you win. How did Jesus win when the government closed in on him and when the church closed in on him? He was louder. He was prouder. He took the cross up there. He was persecuted. And you say, oh, I don't want to go to jail. Hey, by you going to jail, by you being persecuted, that's how you win. Mm -hmm. Jesus wins by going to the cross. Mm -hmm. So we will win. When we start pushing back as a church with God, the devil will flee. The the seed of the seed of the church is the blood of the martyrs. Yes. If we're not willing to die, if we're not willing That's to good. move forward, you are going to die. We will only <laughs> win our life if we're willing to lose it. Stop being cowards. Start praying more. Contact Avera. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you very soon.